Welcome to the Discipleship Helps Podcast. This podcast is designed to accompany you as you work through the book, Discipleship Helps. This book guides us through foundational doctrine every disciple should know. From time to time, you'll be able to pause and write your answers to the questions in the workbook. We encourage you to read each scripture and cover this journey in prayer. So without further ado, let's begin. We hope you enjoy. Before we came here tonight, uh, Tim and I were uh, working on a tree. It's like two trees, maybe. And uh, has anybody driven past my house and seen that one tree that's kind of like laying down? It's in the front yard. It's like two trees that branch off and one's like, it's, it's like several branches and one is like kind of laying over. Have you guys seen that in my house? Yeah. So I, as I started messing with it today, where these trees started to go bad is... Do you remember when the it fell like sleet and rain and then froze? And so all the trees were covered with thick ice and it was real heavy, so large branches were falling down everywhere. And on Katie's car. Yeah, and Emily's car. And these trees have shallow roots. The roots didn't go down very far. And so... But the trees also sent out lots of branches. So they look full. And they look like, wow, these are established trees. But they're really shallow root systems. And it's, it's sad because the weight of the ice started to pull them down and they started to just fall apart because they had such shallow root systems. And uh, they're brittle, too. And... Um, so today, I, I, I have been really sad about those trees. I know most of you are like, okay, over with the trees. I've been really sad about those trees because I've been thinking I have to get rid of them because they just, they look really bad and it's falling apart and it's not going to make it. But I just thought today, why don't we give it a shot? And so we cut off all the bottom branches just real quick because it was, like I said, they're brittle. So I literally did most of it with my hands and pushed off several pieces that didn't belong. And so anyways, it, uh, it, uh, we left branches at the top and then we took a, a toe strap and tied the two trees together so it pulled them back like this. And now I love the way that they look. And I just thought, man, here's an example of two things that grew up way too fast with no established root system. And as soon as hardship came, they began to fall apart. And now the way forward is binding them together, restricting where they can move, and eliminating some of the extra weight. You know, so I, I just thought, man, it's just another, <laughs> it's just another little thing. He teaches us so much when we're out in what he created. Like it's all giant homiletics. <laughs> Discovering my purpose. Have you guys been working through this and praying through this this week? Anybody? 
Don't be ashamed. I'll ask again. Has anybody been working through this and praying through discovering your purpose this week? Okay. Take it. We'll take it. Lord, forgive the rest of them. For they know not what they do. This is discovering your purpose. What else were you doing? Liking Instagram photos. Catching up on our shows. Hanging around. No, I'm just kidding. I won't shame you guys. It's not. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What would be like a godly form of condemnation? Correction. Yes. Guys, finish well. As we end, discipleship helps. Finish well. There's some people kind of dropping off near the finish line because it's hard and it's just, I, I get it. I get the gist of it. Finish well. Finish well. It is easy to begin something. It is hard to finish something. Many people begin lots of things. Be someone who finishes and finish well. Amen? Amen. We make time for what we value. It is one thing to realize God has a purpose for us in the earth today in general. It is entirely different to discover He has a will and purpose for my personal life within His greater purpose and plan. We have been driving this point home over the last two weeks. This study will be divided into four parts. Number one, biblical overview. Number two, value of purpose. Number three, my supreme purpose. And number four, how to fulfill God's purpose. So, biblical overview. Read and put the main ideas into your own words. Let's get crack-a-lacking. Debbie, could you do 1 Chronicles 16, 23 through 26? Tabin, could you do Numbers 14, 20 through 21? Annie, could you do Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and keep an extra finger in chapter 18, verse 18? Be ready to flip there at a moment's notice. Uh, Brett, could you do 1 Peter 2, 12? Maya, could you do Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, please? Miss Debbie, whenever you are ready, you can begin. Read it and then tell us what your words were. Uh, 26. I think so. I think so. Someone else, what other words did y'all put down for First Chronicles 16? The splendor of the Lord stands above all. The splendor of the Lord stands above all, I agree. Go ahead. He's perfect. He always speaks the truth. He's eternal and 
Mm, no other gods are like him. I said to discard your idols and give God the glory, for he is worthy of praise. Amen. Yes, we tell people and we bring glory to him. Yes, ma'am. So I wrote, daily we sing, proclaim, and declare praises to our Lord and Savior who is, who is to be feared above all gods because he is the creator. Mm. Why does it do us no good to fear any other gods? There's only one God. All of the gods are nothing. Nothing. I wrote, God is worthy of praise. Tell everyone that he is the creator who has done great things. All other gods are nothing. Nothing. Numbers 14, 20 through 21. He is the Lord of the earth. What else? What else did you guys put? Henry? Uh, I put that God will fill the world with his glory. Park there for just a second. Say that sentence again. God will fill the world with his glory. Now read the verse again. Okay, say your sentence again. God will fill the world with his glory. What's the difference? Already filled with his glory. As of 1400 BC, approximately. <laughs> the glory of the Lord currently fills the earth. Currently. The glory of the Lord fills the earth. Amen? Yes. Any other thoughts on that verse? Good. Genesis? Okay, what were your words? The Lord had a place for Abram to go, a blessing for him and um, the whole world through him and the purpose. Good. Anyone else? Um, I wrote the um, nations will be blessed by God through Abraham. The nations will be blessed by God through Abraham. How? How will they, though? You know this. How will the nations be blessed through Abraham? Um, through Israel, through God, the 
promises to Israel. Okay, keep going. Um, You're way smarter than you think you are right now. Keep going. Why does God? Why does God say that He will bless all nations through Abraham? And how does He bring it about? Take your time. Um, through Abraham and faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Keep going. And Okay, so Abraham was faithful and obedient, which brought about what? Um, his, he was faithful and obedient, so... I don't know, what did he bring about? Blessings, <laughs> right? Brought about Isaac, right? Brought about the promises of God. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then what happened? And then Israel. Okay. And yep. Nations, and then and more nations. Um, lots and lots of people. Okay, so just focus on the nation of Israel. How then, through Israel, do you get blessed? Um, because of Israel, um, when God fulfills his promises to Israel, um, as I am grafted in, the promises are also for me, and so therefore fulfilling his promises for Israel and for me and then for the world. And who made that way for you? God through Israel? Yeah, through who? Abraham. More specifically, Jesus. through Jesus. Yeah. Come on. Do you know what you just did? You explained Abraham and Israel's role in our blessings. You just explained how we get blessed through Abraham. That's what you did. Someone tell me what it means to enter into the faith of Abraham. What does that mean? Trusting. Keep going. Did Abraham believe in Jesus Christ? Um, in a way, he she saw the promise that the Savior was coming. Okay. I mean, everybody in the Old Testament that saw the, the coming of, the, of the, uh, the Savior, Jesus Christ, they they were they were blessed in that, in that way. Okay. Let's open it up. What do you guys think? What does it mean to enter into the faith of Abraham? This is good. Go ahead, Kelly. Um, well, what I had written, I said that the Lord called Abraham out of his own mm -hmm. and to the land that will bless. So when I think about like entering into Abraham's faithfulness, right? Is that what you said? Into the faith of Abraham, the faith sure. Of Abraham, sure. Um, I think, you know, to do that is to allow, to see what God called me into and to leave my own. So when I, I agree. Abraham, like, he left what he knew as his own and trusted the Lord's promise and where he was leading him. And for me to do that is to leave my own space. That's good. So, so what Rich started off with is he saw the promise and trusted the promise. What you said is you leave what you know as your own and you go to what the Lord is calling you to. Casey, keep going. with him will provide everlasting life 
which would fulfill the um, having all the nations be saved through Israel because Jesus was Jewish. Okay, so he's taking us through how Jesus connects us to the promises. Go back, though, to just Abraham. Think about what existed. Abraham was born in 1998 B.C. Think about Abraham's life, right, approximately. Think about Abraham's life. What did it mean to have the faith of Abraham? Very practically, very plainly in the Peshat. Go ahead, Josh. Okay. This is what I was thinking. Uh, in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham being credited his faith as righteousness. And Abraham believed the word of God. And John tells us that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And so in believing the word of God, Abraham was believing in Jesus, mm-hmm. and the fulfillment of the promises that he was being fulfilled. I agree. I, I agree 100%. 100%. I'm looking for like one... Or two practical ways, two more practical ways. Uh, it causes us to live set apart. Set apart, that's great. So that's great. To all the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Debbie? Where he lived when he was able, uh, wasn't there a lot of idols around? So the, the fact that he believed in one God with no name was like a big deal for him. So that, that would be from the Mishnah, largely, that idea that Abram, that he was living in Ur of the Chaldees, and that his father, Terah, was an idol maker and working. That's all from the Mishnah. So while I, I tend to lean that way and I see that, I'm looking for something more practical that we can see from the word. Go ahead, Veronica. And what was his son to him? Uh, everything. everything. So what was Abraham lay, willing to lay down? Everything. everything. So now let's take the culmination of what we did, right? It is trusting and believing in what God has shown, right? It is leaving what you know and going to what he's calling you to. And it is being willing to lay down that which is most precious to you. Do you see that's the faith of Abraham? Do you see that's what we mean? We talk about believing what God says, being willing to lay down that which is most precious to you, leaving what was yours to follow where he leads. Do you see how that's also what we do with Christ, right? Deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow him. If we want to find our lives, we must lose it. Do you see how the faith of Abraham, when we're talking about it in the New Testament, is not something outdated, but it is a model for the way that we are to live by faith. Do you see that? So when we talk about entering into the faith of Abraham, are we saying that Abraham is our Messiah? No. No. Are we saying that we're Jewish? No. No, we're not saying that we're Jewish. We're not saying that Abraham is the Messiah. We're saying that Abraham has set a model on how to live by faith. Why is this important? Why is it important that we're talking about any of this? Okay, Romans 14. Go ahead. Because through, like, through faith, we're saved by Jesus. So you have to model that same exact faith for us to be grafted in. Go back before Jesus. Why is it important that we're talking about these things before Jesus ever came onto the scene? Why is it important for us to know what we're talking about tonight? Go ahead, Gary. Discovering our purpose is wrapped up in the story of Israel, of God. 
because Israel is what? We were just talking about trees, right? So where, where, where are we going down? We're talking about the root. We're talking about the foundations of our faith. Is it important for us to understand the foundations of our faith? Yes. What happens if we cut out the foundation? The whole thing crumbles. The whole thing falls. Should we be surprised then that it seems like many aspects of Christianity are falling apart today? I would say that it's very important for us to understand our foundations, to understand the roots, to understand where we come from, to understand what we're standing on. First uh, Peter 2.12. Amen. Anybody write anything different? Okay. I actually saw something different in it. I wrote, Our righteous living will result in glory to God even from wicked men. So read it again. When we live a certain way, even wicked people will give glory to God. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I put, um, the Lord has a good desire is for us to seek him, to call upon him. Um, he will listen to us when we call upon him and pray, but we must uh, seek him with our whole heart. Amen. So from what I see in the biblical overview, if I'm trying to pull out why he put these verses the way that he did, God is worthy of praise. All other gods are nothing. So we should give glory to him. We should tell everybody about him. The glory of the Lord currently fills the earth, right? We leave what we know and identify with Abraham, how he responded in obedience to go to Canaan at the promise of blessings and protection. So we respond to the word of God in obedience. Our righteous living will result in glory to God even from wicked men. And as we seek him with all of our heart, he will do good to us. Blessings will chase us down, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God uses people to fulfill his purpose. When we are born again, we become the members of his household, Ephesians 2.19, and we become the people God uses when we submit to his will for our lives. Uh, first one to get to Ephesians 2, 19. Would you read 19 and 20, please? Just read it out loud. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens of God's people and members of 
God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Booyah. Good. What's that? Oh, that's awesome. Did y'all used to do sword drills? Did anybody do sword drills growing up? Sword drills. So I give you a verse and you look it up and the first one to get there stands up and starts reading it and you get a prize. Did y'all do that? Let's bring it back. Sword drills for adults. That was what we would do to kill time when I was growing up in Sunday school. The value of purpose. Look at the following people's statements of purpose. How did an understanding of God's purpose for their lives shape all they did? Uh, Dan, will you please take Luke 4, 18 through 19. Let's see. Eduardo, will you please take John 4, 34 and then also 5, 30. Uh, Victoria, will you please take Acts 26, 12 through 20. Miss Lynette, will you please take Romans 1, 1 through 2. Uh, Hannah, will you please take all those Nehemiahs? <laughs> and then uh, Brian, will you please take Isaiah 6, 8 through 9. And y'all turn it up on the energy. Turn it up. Luke 4, 18 through 19, whenever you're ready. Ready. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, I wrote, um, the, uh, the Holy Spirit led them uh, under the anointing, or they had the anointing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know if it sounds inadequate. No, it's okay. No. Someone help them out. That's good. Okay. What else did you guys write? I said uh, Jesus, although he was God, was also fully human and walked in faith and believed what the scriptures said about him. Amen. Amen. I wrote, I came to do what the Lord sent me for. He designed it for me and expects me to do it. Hey, yes, sir. Question about the, that verse um, that he read, like, from Isaiah. Okay. So that's just like, is that just a part of Jesus' like, purpose then? Or, like, I, I guess I was trying to understand, like, how that fit in with Uh, maybe re, re, restate it or rephrase it. So Jesus quotes the scripture from Isaiah mm -hmm. saying that, you know, um, this is what he came to do. Is this, is that only like part of his purpose here on earth? Or is that like, can the purpose, his purpose here on earth be summed up in its entirety? <clears throat> um, so this is... Remember, the original fulfillment would have been, and on who? Who is the original fulfillment of this verse? Isaiah. Isaiah. 
So he's writing it. Isaiah is not writing it about Jesus necessarily, even though he may have been prophesying about it. In the same way, Isaiah also writes, and the virgin shall be with child. He wasn't talking about Mary. He's talking about his wife. So this is a prophecy that is fulfilled in Mary and Jesus. So we see that Jesus is using this verse to state his purpose and what he came to do. But elsewhere, Jesus says, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Elsewhere, it says, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Or the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Elsewhere, it says that he came to bring glory to God. So his purpose is stated in multiple places, right? Different things that he would do were stated in multiple places. And you, and you read it in the temple and then followed it up with, uh, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And what had just happened before this? He was uh, baptized yeah. in, in, in the desert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. And, and we see the Holy Spirit come and set down on Jesus as well. And the people see Jesus anointed as he's baptized. The Holy Spirit rests on him. So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. Right? He's taking something that Isaiah said. It was said in 600 and something BC. And he's saying, today this verse is fulfilled in your hearing. Here I am. This is me. I fulfill this. Now this is a natural part of their meeting anyways, to read from the scroll and then to elaborate on it, to read from the law, to read from the prophets, and then to allow someone to expound on it for the writing portion because the law inclines the heart, the prophet warns the soul, and the writings uh, direct your strength, right? And so reading from the prophets and then Jesus afterwards says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So if it's this idea of when Jesus begins to elaborate on anything above and beyond the scripture, he is directing their strength or he's giving the people direction, look to me. I'm the one that you've been looking for. I'm the one who fulfills this. Does that answer your question at all? I think so, yeah. Okay, well, if, if you... Yeah. What's that? No, I, I gathered that. Because it is a portion. It's, it's, it's not... It's just a, it's just right. a portion of the scripture. <coughs> that was... Better, okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, it's kind of interesting, too, that uh, when you read Luke 18, it's only five things that he's mentioned, where in Isaiah there's six things that he's What's the one that's missing? There's one that's missing, the day of the vengeance of the Lord, mm. which isn't until his second coming. Yes, and what's interesting, though, is it's also a, a, a tool. When you say things, but then you leave one thing out, that also is highlighting what you leave out too in the Jewish way of teaching. So when they say this, 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 and you know that this is coming, but then you don't say it, it puts more emphasis on it, more focus on it because they know, hey, you left this out, and then it causes you to think about it. So that is intentional too. That's cool, Rich. I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah, because everything that Jesus did, we go to do. 
We deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow him. We leave the life that we knew, like Abraham, right? And we, we follow his way instead of our own. It's good. All right. Uh, where were we at? Acts 26 or John? John. John. John 4.34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then John uh, 5.36. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. But my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I wrote down, We are to do the Without him, we are nothing. Yeah, I wrote, what feeds me is to do his will. I came to please him. So I put all these people's words in my own, from my own perspective. I think I might have missed it a little bit. Anybody else have anything on that they want to share? Yes, sir. Amen. That's good, Zach. All right, Acts 26. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Alan. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting that food didn't motivate him, that uh, it drives Jesus to every motive that nothing could hold him back to accomplish. In, in uh, every time that food is mentioned by Jesus in the book of John, he's not talking about food. So, like, he's talking about something other than food every time he mentions food in the book of John. So it is interesting to think of it that way. Good. Acts. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, I was on the road, and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and, then, and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. So I wrote that Paul's purpose in God supersedes any direction given by an earthly king supersedes any direction given by an earthly king. Good. What else about Paul? Was to be a light to the Gentiles. To be a light to the Gentiles. What else? Yes, sir. I wrote, he was changed from a wicked perception of Christ to an empowered purpose from Christ. Amen. From wicked perception to empowered purpose. Yes, sir. I wrote that Paul knew he was called to the Gentiles to bring them to God, and his testifying to King Agrippa is an example of how knowing his purpose led him in all he did and said. Mm. Shane, did you have something else? Mine is very simple. Uh, whenever it said, uh, when the Lord was speaking to Ananias that, that Paul would go to, 
What did he tell uh, Ananias that he was going to show Paul? All that he must suffer. All that he must suffer. A lot of times when we think about finding our purpose, right, we think like, you know, big conference, like, find your purpose, right? Like, (laughs) it's... It's this, um, it's this very like, you know, uh, you know, empowered 2000, you're the greatest, like, you know, it's all about you, like this is, and Paul's origins of his understanding his purpose are, I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer. It's a flip from what we get promoted today. This idea of counting the cost. Do you really want to know your purpose? Do you really, really want to know what he's going to take you through? Do you really want to know why you were put here on this earth? What if it is very different than what you had planned for yourself? Do you really want to know? What if there's a lot of hardships I was reading today as Paul was listing off the hardships that he had gone through. So one is at the beginning when it's like, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. And the other is him listing off all that he had suffered. And it's interesting to see he never wavered. Why? Because he was a man with vision. He understood what his purpose was. When suffering came, it didn't catch him off guard. He knew that this was part of it. Do you see? If we have this mentality like we talked about last week, where it is about our happiness, and that's the primary goal. When hardships and suffering come, we're caught by surprise. We're thrown off guard. And it interrupts what God was actually trying to do in us and through us. As we sit on the sidelines and sulk for a while and feel sorry for ourselves, we're victims. We can't, I'm speaking about myself too. I'm not talking just about you guys. This is what we have to recognize and fight against. That the Lord showed Paul. Now we know he was called to be a light to the Gentiles. He wanted to go to the Jewish people. He was best trained for the Jewish people. But the Lord chose to emphasize his weakness. Right? But he showed him how much he must suffer. And I think if we would open our ears and minds and hearts to what he's saying, he's telling us the same thing. He's trying to to let us know this is what you'll suffer. Right? Jesus was telling him beforehand, everyone who wants to live, or this is Paul, but he's saying, if they hated me, you'll be hated in the same way. If they wanted to kill me, they'll want to kill you. This is the way that you're going to be treated because this is the way that I'm treated. He's telling them up front. You're going to suffer in these ways. That's not their purpose. Their purpose wasn't to suffer. That's not the purpose. But he's letting us know, hey, there's great suffering. Right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm up for it right now. And then like as soon as conflict comes after this or tomorrow or you're having an argument with your parents or with your spouse or your boss or your teacher... Right, or someone in here, we forget suffering, hardship. It's promised to us. 
We have to stop getting caught off guard, freaking out and going nuts and, and abandoning what he's asking us to do. Amen. Yes, sir. It is raining. If you need to go roll up your windows, go do it now. I definitely think that that is part of it. There are natural hardships and struggles that everyone goes through. I think as we strive to enter into the kingdom of God, there are increased struggles because there's now resistance. When you're not moving, there is no resistance. But when you're moving, there is resistance. And so when we, you know, let go of the Rita Springer song, there is no striving. And... Remember that we actually strive hard to reach the goal. That we strive hard uh, to attain the resurrection uh, that we desire, that we're longing for. There is striving in that. And that's not striving in His love. Yeah. We have His love. Right? Which is like, cool. God is love. That's my base. That's my default. But now I'm going to strive. And I'm going to go hard yeah. after what he's called me to. Yeah, that's right. And so when you strive in that way, there are hardships and resistance. Why? Multiple reasons. Number one, the people who are complacent and who are not moving around you don't like to feel guilty or feel the pressure that comes from when you actually start living what you're preaching. Yeah. From when you, you don't just profess to be a Christian, you start acting like a believer. They resist you. I, I, I know what it's like to, to, to live without much resistance as a Christian. And then when I started taking my faith more seriously, I know what it's like to really get resisted. When you start saying no to ungodliness, when you start holding the line of the truth, holding the standard, even when people push up against it and you don't move, you, you will find increased hardship, increased suffering. Yes, sir. I've, I've, I've discovered we may be given a calling. Yeah. But he's got a, almost a gauntlet that we need to go through to be prepared to take on that calling. To try to jump into that calling right away, it would be like the blues brothers, you know? Yep. The other thing is, so wherever we are, <coughs> we've got a calling. Yeah. 
There's, there, we have a calling in this church. We have a calling in our businesses. Yes. Wherever we are, there is a calling right there. Yes. And I, I wish, I guess I wish you guys had spent a little bit of time focusing on that because it's those little callings and being obedient to those little callings that help prepare us for what we're ultimately called to do. Yeah, for sure. That, and this is the forum for that. There's a few questions at the end, but we definitely, uh, we definitely want to discuss these things for sure. Um, Romans 1. Oh, yes, ma'am. Sorry. We're not like those trees. Yeah. We're not like those trees in my yard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he works on our root system below the ground before the showy parts above the ground. That's good. Uh, Romans 1. Come on, Lynette. Come on. Amen. Uh, Nehemiah. Super loud, Hannah, like you sing. Do it. Come on, don't be shy. Beautiful. What'd you write? Oh, I'm sorry. That was okay. Should a man like me run away 
or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Amen. Amen. What else did you guys write on this passage? Yes, sir. But Nehemiah presented a great way how he communicated his vision to the Lord. It changed his way of thinking on what was important and what he said no to. And he was unafraid of opposition. Amen. Amen. What else? Yes, Neka. Amen. Roadblocks and enemies won't stop us. Amen. Amen. Yes, Andrew. Pumped up. Go ahead. Did you have something? Yeah. Uh, but the call of God gives us our purpose. With our purpose comes both supporters and opposers, but with our identity comes boldness and confidence. Yeah. We're hitting it. I didn't hear that. He said, "With our." Let's read that last part again. Yeah. Um, with uh, the call of God gives us our purpose. Our purpose gives us both supporters and opposers, but with our new identity comes boldness and confidence. Mm -hmm. With our new identity comes boldness and confidence. I want to tell you one thing. Do you know that no one can stop you? Amen. No one can stop you from fulfilling your purpose. When you think about tax people, when you think about the government, when you think about uh, people in Illinois or the weather or the different hardships, that you, no one can stop you from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Taxes and weather cannot stop you from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. You can abandon the path and fail to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. You can. No one else can stop you. Can we say that together? No one can stop me from accomplishing God's purpose in my life. Let's say it again. No one can stop me from accomplishing God's purpose in my life. No one can stop you. No one can stop you. Taxes can't stop you. Weather can't stop you. See, we, we kind of laugh. There are people leaving this state who call themselves believers. I'm not saying, I'm not talking to you guys specifically. I am saying that there are people who see themselves as mature believers who haven't asked God if they should be leaving. But simply look at hardships. Look at things they don't like in their current scenario and say, I'm going to move when the word says that God has determined the places where we would live. Yes. We look at hardships and allow it to determine yes. what we do. And then we wonder why, don't we, why we don't have any clarity on our purpose. 
If we're simply allowing hardships to dictate what direction we go and then we blame everybody else, don't wonder why you can't know your purpose. Why can't it? Why doesn't God speak to me? Everybody else has their purpose. I don't know. Are you allowing hardships to dictate your direction? That will stunt the process. Yes, sir. Feel like this came as you were talking is like, but if, if we can't go through a hardship, we can't persevere through that. How are we going to persevere through somebody who's opposing us? Mm-hmm. Somebody who's actually forcibly opposing us. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with the hardship trains us for those situations. Yeah. But um, uh, Proverbs twenty-eight one says, uh, "The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion." Mm, that's right. right. That's been ministering to me a lot lately because of the, the very thought of, "Oh no, maybe I messed up." Mm-hmm. Did I say something wrong? And it's like, no. Like I'm gonna keep moving forward no matter what. The more that you that this is a this is a, a seed in my heart that is growing and growing and growing and it's changing my DNA. Amen. It's changing who I am as a person. This idea, I thought confidence and boldness was a personality thing. There are some people who are naturally confident and bold because of different characteristics about themselves right? Their wealth or their stature or, you know, their societal standing, whatever. There's different things that make them confident. I'm not talking about that. Confidence and boldness is something that you can pray into and start to stir up in yourself. I am living proof of that. Extremely insecure, very not confident in who I was as a leader or as a person or as a husband or as a father. I am beating those things down. And I am conquering those things, even though that was not who I was. That was not my personality, to be just bold and confident in those ways. Bold in doing rebellious things, right? But not in obedience and in righteousness. And that's very different. It's very different to be bold in the world than to be bold in the kingdom. Very different. And you can stir this up. But if you leave, right, because I I was talking about the levels. If you're getting tested at level one and ultimately where he wants you is is here to be able to fulfill your calling and to stand up against, yeah, I'm not even afraid of death. Take away whatever matters most to me. You still won't change my mind, right? I mean, once you get getting to that level, if you're here at, I'm going to make you lose some comfort. And it's like, no, no. You're not ready for this. Amen. And, and don't be surprised if your, your, your call is not becoming more clear and your purpose. It's like, don't worry about all that. You can't handle level one. Right? And so if you're wanting to stir up boldness and you want to be more confident, sacrifice. Suffer, endure through the suffering, give up that which matters most to you and lay it down before the Lord. Surround yourself with people who live like that instead of people who also cater to their comforts in their flesh. Don't surround yourself with people that cater to their flesh and then be surprised when that's also what you're doing. You know. Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 8, and 9. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. What did you write? Isaiah heard and answered the call to go, and the Lord gave him the word. He did not fear because he knew he was sent, who sent him and that the words were with him, even if he didn't know in that hour. Mm. What else did you guys write? Vicki, what did you write? Accept the calling and the Lord will tell you what to do. Johnny, what did you write? Isaiah was willing when the Lord revealed a need for him. Yes, amen. Ian, did you have anything for this one? Yes, I put Isaiah was faithful to continuously receive the word of the Lord and then tell it to the people of Israel just as he was called to do. Beautiful. So Ian, take me back through Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Nehemiah, Isaiah, and give me the overview. If we're connecting these and if it's supposed to be a progressive thought, help me understand what's the point that it's getting to in him connecting these verses. What's the point? So it starts out with Jesus knowing his purpose. Mm -hmm. It's knowing the calling we have. And then John 4 and John 4 and 5 talks about how Jesus built his life around that calling. And it was his very sustenance mm. to do that calling. And then it talks about how, uh, and then we go through Paul and he has his calling and he shapes his entire life around that calling. So it's, it goes from knowing our calling, having a calling our sustenance, shaping our entire life around our calling so that we're even willing to suffer for it. Mm -hmm. yes. And then Paul talks about continuing to be faithful in his calling. And so it's a perseverance in his calling. Mm -hmm. And then in Nehemiah, it's one step further. It's a perseverance even when people are coming against you yes. in your calling. It's a perseverance not just to continue against your own flesh, but to continue against others who are coming at you. And then Isaiah was faithful to go wherever the Lord told him to go. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Ah, we're in good hands. Without a vision, an understanding of what God wants us to do, we live lives without a sense of destiny and purpose. This is why so many Christians fail to accomplish much, if anything, for God. Our goal at this church is to help you see and fulfill your God-ordained purpose in life. That's what we want to do. If you know what you're supposed to do, if you can celebrate what part of the body that you are without being jealous and wanting to be some other part, but you can embrace the role that you are and find joy in it and make it beautiful, then we will all benefit. Have you ever found someone that does what most people would consider to be a menial role, but they make it look so amazing that other people start wanting to do it as well? You ever seen people like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? People who take a job or a role that most people wouldn't want to do, but these people do it so well, you're like, huh, that's pretty cool. I think I'd, I think I'd like to do that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> there are people that can do that in the kingdom so well that you want to do what they do. There's a uh, guy named Brother Yoon, the heavenly man. When he tells us, anybody ever heard of him? Right, I know these two guys. Have anybody? Yeah, okay. 
when you read and listen to his stories, don't you, don't, aren't you like, I want faith like that, man. I want to be like that guy, right? I want to be like that. He's doing that so, he's doing suffering so well that you're like, yeah, I want to do that. Because he's doing it so well, right? There's plenty of people not doing suffering well, right? Amen. To know what God has called you to and to do it well is attractive to the world. When you're kind of insecure about what you believe, you're back and forth about it, often depressed because you're not seeing the blessings of God. That's not attractive to the world. Don't be surprised when no one asks you anything about your beliefs or your relationship with the Lord because what they see from you is not attractive at all. So they don't want to know, right? I mean, let's be honest. If I was like, I'm on this new financial plan. And they're like, oh, what results have you seen? I'm actually worse off in debt, but it's a great plan. You should really, it's like, say no more. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> no one cares to know about your relationship with the Lord if all you are is miserable. And if you're miserable... It's probably because there is a tension between what you know you should be doing and what you're actually doing. When what you're actually supposed to be doing will make your calling and purpose more clear. Will make your role in the kingdom more clear. These are the things that we have to get cemented in our stomachs where we feel things. We have to know I've got to endure past this because if I don't, I will continue to be stuck in confusion land, not knowing what God has called me to do. I've got to endure past this. I have got to overcome. I cannot let this continue to eat my lunch. Let me make it through this trial. That is not your lunch. This is my lunch. Do not eat my lunch. My supreme purpose, interact with the following. Let's break these down. Mr. Luke, will you take Matthew 5, 16? Elena, will you take Matthew 16, 24 through 25? Shannon, will you take 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20? Sydney, will you take Matthew 28, 18 through 20, please? Mr. Luke, whenever you are ready. same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What did you write? What I wrote is that Christ is the light inside of us. And when we perform good works, we reflect him and the Father is glorified. Beautiful. Anybody else have anything for Matthew? Yes, Shane? I just found it interesting when reading it that it says, let your light shine. And so I wrote, I'm to let my light shine, not another man's light, but the one that was given to me by God. Amen. Shine before all to bring glory to the Father. Amen. Amen. Miss Lynette? We are the light of the world. We must not hide that light. We must show people how we shine uh, our light through good works. Amen. You know another word for glory? Shining. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, 
take up his cross and follow me. For whatever, for whoever would want to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, and I put to to lay down my desires and my dreams and my plans and my goals for the sake of knowing God. That if I lay it all down, that I will find life and the one who and one hidden in Christ. Amen. What else did y'all write from Matthew 16? Yes, sir. I must abandon the life I once desired so I can fully live the life Christ has purposed for me. Amen. Is everything that you ever desired before Christ all bad? No. 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 Why then are we told to lay down that life? He desired it won't allow us to pick it up. Right. Because instead of us sifting through each individual thing and picking out what we still think belongs, we lay all of it down and say, sift through it all. I trust that whatever you want in my life, you will put back in, in its right time. That's why we lay it all down instead of parts of it. I have watched people who leave lives of sin try and come into the kingdom while holding on to parts of their life from before. They run at first really fast and often are like, come on, everybody, come on, my old life, come with me. Come with me, old life. What I'd really love is to have all these good things along with the things that I loved for my old life. And then what happens? They get sucked back in and nothing can stop them from getting sucked back in to life from before, right? I've seen it over and over and over again. Everybody thinks they can beat it, and nobody actually does. There is only one way to lay it all down. Yeah, that's right. Like a lot. Okay, 1 Corinthians. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And I said, God chose me to fulfill a specific role in the body that is complementary to, but not equivalent to, others' roles in the body. Complementary to, but not equivalent to, others' roles in the body. Good. Good. What, what, what part of the body are you? The big toe. The big toe. <laughs> Gives you balance. Helps our balance. <laughs> anybody else? Anybody else know what part you are? The appendix. The appendix. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about your own body, what part would you be willing to do without? <laughs> Neka, Neka, should she do without her eyelashes? No. Neka says no. Okay. Thanks, Neka. <laughs> Come on, what part do you want to do without? What's that? Your appendix? Sorry, whoever was the appendix. Whoever was the appendix, I'm sorry. I'll tell you this right now, even if, 
even if I thought some parts of my body were expendable, I would not want to voluntarily get rid of them if I didn't have to. I want to continue operating at full capacity. Now, if there's a disease in my hand that they tell me unless they amputate it, it will spread to the rest of my body and kill me, then I would be willing to lose my hand. But why? To save the rest of my body. Do I want to lose my hand? No. No. I love my hand. I want to keep my hand. It allows me to do things. I don't want to lose not even a finger. I use all of my appendages. I love how God has made me. Right? I don't want to lose any part. That's my body. I can live without my finger. I don't don't want to do this without any one of you. I don't want any one of you to have to be amputated or to fall off. Or to get diseased, like with the mumps. We have to learn to see each other. We have to learn to see each other as not expendable. Not expendable. Are people in your life that rub you the wrong way? Are people in your life that make it hard for you? Never. Yeah. Yeah. You work with some, and they work with you. <laughs> they're in this room (laughs) we need each other we need each other I was listening to a story of a man talking uh, poorly about his wife and uh, he was uh, he was saying terrible things about her physical appearance about uh, about who she was to him and it was very sad because she's his wife And the attitude that I have seen be so fruitful is when we look at what God has entrusted us with, we can either despise it and resent it, or we can make it beautiful. Wherever you're at. I've been in in downtown and I've seen tiny little condos, apartments that are completely run down and look like they've just been trashed. And then I've seen others that are so well taken care of that it looks like an awesome place to live. Mm-hmm. You get to choose what you do with God, with what God has entrusted you with. Amen. Yeah. You can either call it ugly and make it ugly, mm. or you can make it beautiful. So You've been entrusted with this body, with this group of friends, mm-hmm. with this group of brothers and sisters. Are you making it beautiful? Are you making beautiful relationships? Right? Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Did you write anything for that verse? Or did you just answer ABCD? I answered ABCD. Yeah, me too. Um, before we do that, Summer, can you connect those four verses?
mm-hmm. and then um, realizing that each person has a different vital calling and that we don't have to compare ourselves <coughs> to other people. So something that costs us something might not be costing another person. Uh, oh, wait, let's just go through, right? Yeah, throw in Matthew 28. Just connect it. Um, like with the ABCD or with what You know what Matthew 28 says, right? Yeah, 18 yeah. through 20. So <laughs> yeah, take what you know it says and, and see if you can connect it. And so then what would you look around you and see in a body of believers? What would you see then? We see vital parts with each person having a different purpose and each person giving up for something. So each person with like the connected, <coughs> a body that has a sole purpose of making disciples of all nations. How powerful would that be? How powerful would that be if we were a collection of people who had laid down our lives and were doing deeds that shone brightly for all to see? And recognized our role and our part within this body and then made disciples everywhere that we went. I think that that's what we're on the verge of. I think that that's what we're doing. I think that that's where we're getting and that's where we're going. That's what's happening here. That's why I'm so excited. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, to speak to that, Garrett, the Lord used Garrett to give us a word probably like three months ago. Like the sinews, the connections, these Mm -hmm. things being joined together so that we operate as the body of Christ with that sole purpose. Yes. Yes, I see that happening. I see that unfolding. I see it starting to come together here. Uh, so A, B, C, D. Uh, let's see. Jackson, take me through A, B, C, D. What did you write for those? For when it's making disciple, I wrote teaching, correcting, improving, and training God's word in the way you live your life. Um, for D, I wrote for who is called to make disciples. I wrote all those who choose to walk in Christ's authority. For C, I wrote Never, never, ever. Anybody else write anything different for A, B, C, and D? Brett, what did you write for those? Until Jesus comes. Good. Anyone else? Good. Mark 16, 15 through 16. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Mary Lynn, would you read that for us, please? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Would you take us there in your Bible? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So how important is preaching the gospel, Mary Lynn? What's that? Very important on a scale of 1 to 10. 
100. The eternal life hangs in the balance. Let's go to Romans 10, 13 through 15. On a scale of 1 to 10, preaching the gospel is very important. Yes. Do animals have souls? Uh, let's ask a different question. Will animals be judged? Yes. Will animals be in heaven? Yes. <laughs> what do you? Because I'm 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 asking in ways that we know that Scripture answers. Will there be animals? that are in heaven. Yes. Say that louder. Is it the lion? Yeah. A wolf? A wolf will lay down with the lamb? So we know that animals will be in heaven. We know that animals can be judged for what they've done. And animals were given also a mandate to be fruitful and multiply as well each according to their kind. Yeah. So they're held accountable, they are judged, and they will be with us in the afterlife. So do they need to be preached to? You might want to err on the side of yes. Just in case. They said that Billy Graham, when he was young, used to preach to the trees. That's right. So we're at Romans 10, 13 through 15. Let me read it to you guys. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So if you never go and preach the good news, no one will be saved. That's the implications of this verse. So we're talking in uh, Acts classes. I'm going through chapter 7 right now. We just finished chapter 7 today. Um, but it was talking about this. And Eric wrote it out, Romans 10, 13 through 15. And he breaks down each step about being sent, but it starts with you receiving the good news and then being willing to preach it. And if you're not there yet, forget about missions. Forget about going somewhere else. Don't worry about that. If you're not preaching the gospel, if you are not emulating the gospel, or, or is that the word? If it's not emanating from you? Emulating, emulating sure. Good job. But if it's not flowing from it's like wherever uh, you think that, you, that God's going to send you, I'm, I'm going to go here. The Lord's calling us here. Wherever you go, you will recreate the exact life that you have right here. Yeah. Uh -huh. you, you, nothing's going to change. Yeah. 
It's not you're going to go there and it's like, then I'll truly start living out my calling. It'd be no different than if you were, if a sum of money fell into your lap. Then I'd be generous. No, you wouldn't. You'd be the same person that you are right now. Pick you up and put you anywhere else on the planet right now and that you'd be you. And you'd be doing the same thing you're doing right now. Things would not get better for you all of a sudden. It would be the same. You, six months, you'd have a little honeymoon phase. Yeah, yeah. And be like, oh, everything's different. This is great. Oh, it is great. He was wrong. He thought it wouldn't change, but it did. Six months later, you're in the same boat, right? It's all the newness is worn off, and it's still you in a new place. Different, yeah, different faces, same thing. So if you think that you'll preach the gospel if your situation were to change, I call baloney. You're going to recreate the same situation that you're producing right now. Go ahead, Paul. My father says the problem with a geographical change is that you take yourself with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happens to those who don't respond? Condemned. Can we say it together? Condemned. Are you willing to say that to someone? We talked about that last week. We got into a heated debate. Heated. It's fire. Yes, sir. I agree with that statement. Who is responsible? What'd you guys write? I am. And then he said, see also John 15 too. Did, did y'all go there? Or did y'all think, yeah, he's probably just uh, giving another verse to elaborate the same point. <laughs> Stinkers. I see right through you. You were wrong. It was a completely different answer. Someone read out John 15 too. Every branch which is part of me but fails to bear fruit, he cuts off. Who cuts off? He and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so who is responsible? Me and also the Father to cut off. I am responsible to send the message. This is Ezekiel, the watchman, right? If you don't say something, their blood will be on your hands. Think that's only Old Testament? Same thing happens with Peter. There's no wiggle room, no way out. You gotta say something. You can be held accountable for not saying something. Remember, what will we be judged for? The sin? Those who are in Christ Jesus, will we be judged for our sin? What will we be judged by? Deeds done in faith. Words and our deeds done in faith. That's what we will be judged by. Don't get up there. You're standing before him and be like, I know. Don't. You know. You know. It's what you do in faith. What you do in faith. By the time Saul lost the kingdom, the only two things that he did was he offered a sacrifice a little too soon and then didn't kill a few bad guys. And God stripped the kingdom away from him. David killed a guy after committing adultery with his wife his children committed incest with each other, and then one of his kids slept with all his concubines in a nationwide revolt against him. And God didn't take away the kingdom. 
And on top of that, he called him a man after his own heart. And on top of that, said that he would give him children who would always sit on the throne, which ultimately led into Jesus, and said that David would be the one ruling on the throne as prince over the people in the millennial reign. How does that happen? Because one operated in faith. David, he did all that God called him to do. And Saul operated in fear. In the end, Saul did things worse than David. He killed all the priests and all the people at Nob, for sure, and hunted down David, for sure. In the end, Saul did worse things. But you cannot sit here and tell me that David was a model human being when it comes to sin. David was as sinful as you or I, but he operated by faith, and he did all that God had for him. I would add one more thing. Sure. Agreed. Agreed. When God showed him his error, he admitted it and he repented. Nathan rebuked him in Second in Second Samuel twelve, and he immediately said, "I've sinned. It's me. I, I I deserve it. Whatever the Lord has." That was his reaction. No, so there was never true repentance with Saul. It's defiant. So what has God put on your heart? Do you belong in children's ministry, home groups, world missions, teaching, adult classes, ministering to the poor, or something else? So if you didn't hear me list off what you feel called to in that list, the something else covers it. So tell me, what do you guys feel called to? Let's get like uh, 20 answers. What do you guys feel called to? Alan, keep it short. Okay, keep going. What else? Who else? We can wait. We'll just wait as we go. Go ahead, Veronica. Um, I feel called to the orphans and the widows. Okay. And um, people that um, are stuck in sin. Okay. To evangelize. Okay. Anyone else? Go ahead. Eddie, go ahead. Uh, children's ministry. Children's ministry? What else? I wrote children, families, and the oppressed. Children, families, and the oppressed. Yes. Um, back in the mid-90s, uh, the youth group that we were involved with was called the Young Lions, and I feel like to be an encouragement to the Young Lions. Amen. Come on. To be an encouragement to the Young Lions. That's good. And they Anthony. Be your age. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and evangelize to anyone who wants to listen. Come on. What else? What are you guys called to? What else? We got six. We got 14 more to go. I'd say to teach and train up warriors for righteousness and help them discover their purpose and equip them for it. Train up warriors for righteousness. Help them discover their purpose and equip them. Help the home group. Are you trying? Oh, we got seven. Go ahead. Caleb, you keep track for me, okay? Got 13 more to go. My purpose is to, um, to help young women that are uh, pregnant and to help them Anybody notice a complimentary yeah. calling there? Help me understand it, Garrett. What's their complimentary calling? Ooh. Um, one's the men and one's the women. And both are to the younger, the younger generation. See that? Fathering the Did you see that? Yeah. He said, one's to men, one's to women, and both are to the younger. 
people. Both you guys feel called to the younger people. Do you see that? It's complimentary. How many are we up to? Nine? All the young people are here. All right, we got nine. We need 11 more. Let's go. Yes, ma'am. Creating order within a home. Creating order within a home. Freedom and authority in childbearing. Freedom and authority in childbearing. Amen. Amen. We got 10 more. Uh, writing, creative arts, prophetic evangelism, and riding a motorcycle. <laughs> Give that last one as a freebie because we like you. Keep going. Nine more. Yeah. Come on, young man. Wait. Go ahead. I feel called to missions. I have a heart for the homeless community. Um, sex trafficking is hard on my heart and for the children's ministry. Amen. Maya? Um, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right for, of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy, and specifically for women dealing with oppression and being out of sex trafficking. Beautiful. Proverbs 31. Amen. Come on. Luce and I are called to minister to families. So that means children, but also young men and women going into marriages and also broken marriages. Amen. I'm called to stand as a righteous tree for the fatherless and show them what it means to be a man. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So, I mean, I actually want to say that, like, Mike's very version to the last thing Mike said. Bikers, yes. That would be different than what Mike said. Yes. <laughs> Mike just said riding the motorcycle. If you're saying minister to bikers, I, I, I can see that. Go ahead. First of all, follow in my father's calling. Oh, hold on. Go ahead. First of all, to follow in my father's calling by ministering to the youth and young men, which I believe will eventually entail ministering to young couples down the road, and to minister to the far out broken and hurting. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Uh, work and help at uh, home groups. And uh, minister to the poor. Amen. Amen. What else? To proclaim and do repentance in our house so yeah. that the church, the body of Christ, comes to maturity and it belongs to come home. Amen. Um, come on. Yes, sir. Be a standard of righteousness that brings others from the way of death to the way of life. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, Hannah. Amen. Great. Great. Say that again. Say the last part for Alan. Amen. Amen. We good? Sweet. Do you want to say yours? Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you are doing that now? Amen. Good. Good. Would you write? I wrote teaching the word and training. That's what I wrote for me.
What? What did you write? You wrote, same thing? Teaching the word in training? What burden do you have? What burden do you have? I wrote to see believers mature. That's what burden I have. It burdens me when I see immature believers, especially suffering from things that they don't have to suffer from. And it seems so close, so close. And it's like, I see, ah, I, I've struggled with that same thing and it's just this, just reach out and grab it. I feel that burden, yeah. I would say for me, it's to see me purposeless and down with purpose. Yeah. yeah, when people don't have purpose. People live without purpose. People having misplaced identity. Uh, anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Injustice. Injustice. Yes. You see injustice I'm with done. You, Tracy. What yeah. else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, the church. Hundred percent. Yes, sir. Mm. Hmm. It's awesome. Some of y'all are being shy right now, Come on. and you shouldn't be shy. Yeah. Uh, to see uh, those closest to me reject the gospel through just misconception, or yeah. like just a past hurt, um, and now uh, they're just viewing things through a different lens, through a blurry lens. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're hurt by people when they really uh, when God was not the one that hurt them. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. To speak up for the ones that can't speak because it was working in special needs, um, to preach the gospel and to live by example. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's good. Yeah. Inspire faithfulness in God's people. Yeah. It's good. How to fulfill God's purpose. Believe you have one. Do you believe you have a purpose? Is your purpose to play video games? Is your purpose to make money at your job? Is your purpose to try and be comfortable to get more sleep? Is your purpose to eat different kinds of food? Is your, I mean, how shallow are we in what we're actually living for day in and day out? Do you have a purpose? Do you have a purpose? Are you living with purpose? Are you living with vision? Write it down. What is God's purpose for your life? Make it plain to bring freedom through the truth of God's word. That's what I wrote down, to bring freedom through the truth of God's word. That's mine. What's yours? What's your purpose? Get involved. How will you serve God? The way that God makes discovering your purpose, the way that he has created that journey, is it starts like this. It starts as this super general, just jump in, just start helping, just start serving, just start loving, just start forgiving, start being patient, start persevering. It's just this huge general, just come on in place. That's where it starts. And then it narrows as you go further and further in it. 
It starts at this place where it's like, I don't know my calling, but I want to know my calling. Hey, we need some help cleaning up some trash over here. I'm going to sit over here and try and figure out my calling. <laughs> we, can't, we can't fall into that trap for the immature. That's a trap that's set for the immature. To neglect doing the very simple right now we need your help kind of stuff because you're trying to figure out what God is calling you to specifically. We're telling you, hey, we, we need your very basic general help. And it's like, I'm trying to figure out what God is calling me to. So I don't think I can help in that way. That's a trap for the immature. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the immature fall into it regularly. You have to not fall into that trap and recognize, wait, where I'm actually going to get moving is when I just jump in and just start doing. And, and then what will happen is hardships will come because I start doing. And you know what happens when you start doing? You're shoulder to shoulder with someone that might rub you the wrong way. And then the testing comes. You're in level one, bouncing around getting your shoulder to shoulder with people that hurt your feelings and offend you or say things in a way that you don't like or have different thoughts or beliefs on things and they express them to you and you want to argue with them and you get bent out of shape. That's level one stuff. But if you can be like, no, you know what? I've been shown mercy. I'm going to show mercy to this person. God has unlimited patience with me. I'm going to have unlimited patience with them. And you find out how to serve them and love them well. Welcome to level two. This is the way that it works. And there's new trials and stuff in level two and stuff. I'm using this analogy because we can grasp it, right? I'm oversimplifying this, obviously, but I'm doing it so that we can grasp the way that we get trained in righteousness, okay? And the way that we get to maturity. Yes. Yes. Do that and you're already fulfilling the purposes for everyone that God calls you to do while you're trying to work out the specific purpose that he has. Amen. Good. You know what I love about you know what I love about people that help with worship or people that help as home group leaders or people that help in different capacities? Those are our best servants. Those are some of our best servants. You know, people that are helping in these different ways, we don't put people in positions because of talent but because their heart and the way that they serve. And then there are people who don't have a position here, but who outserve everyone. Yeah, come on. And they don't do it for a title or a role, but because they love the Lord. Yeah. And they're doing it as under the Lord. And this brings you to maturity. Always finding a reason why you can't help or a schedule conflict that doesn't allow you to stick around and help or to help out with different things, you should recognize this might be a trap that I consistently fall into. I might be getting robbed of some maturing that's supposed to happen because of my schedule conflicts. 
I need to figure out a way to serve and to love and to get around people that think like I do and want what I want, right? You want to get closer to the Lord? Get around people that want to get closer to the Lord. You want to serve better? Get around people that serve better. Yes, sir. Fantastic advice. That's fantastic advice. Did you guys write down something under who will mentor you to become truly fruitful? Who will mentor you to become truly fruitful? I want to tell you this right now. We have so many mighty men and women in this church with so much to offer. Whatever you do, don't allow yourself to continue on without purposeful relationships where you are growing and learning. When we meet together, I often try and pair people up. I often try and not do one-on-one -on -one meetings because I want the people that meet together to see that there are people who are very uh, sharp in here and are pursuing the Lord as well so that relationships can get built because do you know what will build your uh, faith and strengthen and mature you more than one-on-one -on -one meetings with me for an hour a week yeah. doing, life together. doing life together with other people who are also pursuing the Lord so that is the more sustainable way to yeah. grow the benefit of a body like this is there's so many people who are fighting towards the same goal. They're trying to get to the same goal. And you are surrounded by brothers and sisters that are passionate about the kingdom. And that is the more sustainable way to grow because you're with them day in and day out for hours and hours on end. They're there with you at funerals, at baby showers, at engagements. They're there with you when you gotta move, when you gotta mow the yard, when you gotta fix stuff, whenever you lose your job, when you just wanna go study the word at Mariano's, they're there. They come over to your house and hang out, you talk, you know each other. That's the more sustainable way to do maturity and growth. So keep that in mind as you answer D. Pray, pray, pray. Yes, sir. Right. And, and I think of like Romans 13, that all authority has been established. So even when you have leadership at, for a certain season of your life telling you to stop doing what you think your purpose is, yeah. you have to trust the Lord that your purpose is not going to be taken away. Just like Joseph. He's training you. Exactly. Yep. And that, that he's training you to uh, learn to be obedient to um, leaders who might not, you might not agree with, but it is the Lord. 100%. And then uh, you will be able to walk out your purpose in the time that he has established you. Absolutely. Pray, pray, pray. There is no way around this. If you are still wrestling with, ah, yeah, I do want to be praying more, often we say that, when really the answer is at all. 
be honest with yourself. Where are you at with prayer? If you won't pray or take the time to pray and not for what he'll give you in the prayer time, but just because he's worthy. Make time and make room for prayer. I'm telling you, don't worry about your calling. Don't worry about your purpose if you're not praying. It doesn't matter. You wouldn't know what to do with it anyways. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't be saying, I want to know my calling and my purpose. Are you praying? Well, no, but I mean, I'm busy. And then don't worry about your, let's not play games. Don't worry about your purpose. Don't worry about it. You're, you're not ready for it. Seek his face. Seek his face. Just start there. If, if the physical equivalent is serve and love these people, if that's a physical equivalent, then the spiritual basic is pray. Right? Seek his face. You seek his face. Start there. He'll start to make everything clear. He'll bring the people into your life. He'll bring the situations. He'll start to make it all work together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Live every day with a sense of purpose. It's not just a bumper sticker. Go to Philippians 3, 12 through 14. We're almost done. Paul, would you mind uh, reading this out for us, please? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining ahead toward what, straining toward what is ahead. Is that it? Yeah. Sorry, I was just excited as you were saying those words. Live every day with a sense of purpose. What did you guys write? Caleb, what did you write? Uh, Live every day with a sense of purpose. Did you write anything on there? It's kind of instructional, huh? I wrote uh, living for the resurrection. Living for the resurrection. In what ways can you personally benefit from Paul's admonishing in Philippians 3, 13. Someone share with us. Yes, sir. Not dwelling on the past mistakes or accomplishments, but looking each moment on being sensitive to how the Lord, uh, uh, doing what the Lord has for your life and what he wants from you. Amen. I, I wrote the same thing. I just put, uh, Jesus doesn't treat us as our sins and failures deserve, but gives us a new chance every day. We need to be forgetful and not put a yoke on our backs that's unnecessary. Amen. Amen. Yeah, Luke? Uh, I said that we can't live in the past, only learn from it. And also, not to be anxious about tomorrow, but we can be excited about what the Lord promises us. Yes. That's good. And uh, to press on, uh, press into what God has for us today. Yes. Amen. Learning to uh, properly categorize the future and the past are so important for your maturity. Trying to figure out either one of those, like trying to figure out the future and what's going to happen, you don't have enough faith for that. Trying to figure out the past and everything. We learn.
from the past and we let him heal our past, but, but we focus on today. And then when he's ready to bring up different things that need to be healed, he'll reveal them in their time. I've talked to too many people who dwell in the past and dwell into all the ways that people have hurt him in the past and all the ways that they've been done wrong, and they're stuck there, and they're stuck there. We have to focus on today. Not worry about tomorrow. It's got enough troubles of its own. Focus on today. So all the ways in which I have failed or succeeded are behind me. I must take today and trust and persevere. What would you say singleness of purpose means as far as your life concerned? Elder Mark, would you mind answering that for us? Singleness is just like Jesus did not do anything except what his father called him to do. And that's how I'm supposed to be focused on what he's calling me to do, not what my flesh wants to do. Amen. Amen. I wrote, um, although there are many things I could do, I will say no to many things uh, to do what I was put here to do. So there are many ways that I could go with my life. I could choose to get a side job. Uh, we could start going to different places because we just want to. I could start committing my time to other activities, extracurricular activities, right? And then all of a sudden be pulled in so many different directions and away from what God has called me to do. It's sad when there are families who are so overcommitted to sports for their children that they're actually neglecting direction for their family. They are literally living in chaos so that their kids can be in sports and there's no direction for the family, right? We have to recognize the traps of the enemy. I'm not saying that sports all time. I'm saying when we allow chaos to dictate what happens in our day, we neglect to live purposefully. Okay, chaos comes in many forms. Many forms, not just sports. It comes in many forms. That doesn't, that's not singleness of purpose. Singleness of purpose, like Elder Mark said, it's recognizing what we were put here to do and doing that primarily. Remember Jesus even telling that woman um, that uh, he cannot take the food from the children and give it to the dogs? Remember we talked about that? Yeah. Jesus had singleness of purpose. He knew what he was put here to do. He knew why he was here. Remember about the cross? And uh, he said, you know, what should I do? S say, save me from this hour? It's for this very reason that I came. No, Father, glorify your name. That was his response to the difficulty that was about to face him uh, as it concerned his purpose. And he said, no, this is what I came here to do, singleness of purpose. Yes, ma'am. Amen. How will you change your life to fulfill God's purpose for you? Yes, ma'am. Well, I want to just back up. Um, 2 Timothy 2.15, study mm -hmm. to show thyself approved unto God, 
Yes. Second Timothy two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two fifteen. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Amen. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yep. We get to the place where the word dictates how we see the world, how we see ourselves, how we see the Lord. So how will you change your life to fulfill God's purpose for you? Let's get a couple of these before we close. Anybody write down some actual action items? Yes, ma'am. Come on. That's powerful. Let's get one more. One more. Yes, ma'am. I wrote, um, let word transform my mind and then to submit to the Lord and where he placed me by a moving, changing jobs, um, saying what he told me to say, evangelizing what he tells me to evangelizing, saying yes to what he said to say yes to. Amen. Amen. Sydney, did you have one? Yes. Amen. I wrote yeah, saying yes to godliness and no to selfishness. Yes to training others up to whom I can discharge the duties of my ministry. Amen. Andrew, pray for us.